Real Money Show is back. The number one eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com. Precious Metal Advisor, the investor kit on how to use your RSP, your uh, TFSA, RESP, LIF, RIF, Lira, all those investment funds and registered accounts. You can use those to invest in precious metals. In fact, I'll tell you this right now. For every uh, $5,000 U.S. invested in an RSP account, you will receive one gram of gold courtesy of the fellows here at uh, Guildhall. A good uh, a good week uh, it has been, Darren. we got a special uh, guest coming on the show in just a little bit, yeah? We do. We have Chris Powell coming in from GATA, and we're excited to have him. Of course, GATA is the foremost authority on gold in the world, and of course they do deal heavily in the world of manipulation and other different types of accusations that have been thrown at the paper gold industry, of course. And I think you'll find the interesting uh, the interesting thing about this interview will be that Chris will side very heavily with those who are in favor of owning physical yeah. gold that is stored, allocated, and in your name. So interesting week it was. The price of silver up 45% year to date. It is top of the charts if you want to go to year-to-date performance leaders in the commodities sector. It is beating the Brazilian real. It's beating sugar, platinum, gold, lumber, palladium, all of these things. And uh, we're very excited. And welcome to the newest members of the Guildhall investment community. Those that bought and have invested through registered funds, had bought and taken home their product, or had opened up a depository account and bought a natural fancy colored diamond. We're glad to have you aboard. The week that was was very interesting because we're now at the midway point of the year, John. Really, we're getting through into the second half, and gold and silver stole the show in the first half of 2016. The question everybody wants to know now is, can metals investors expect an encore performance in the second half? And we do believe it is certainly possible, but the markets will need some help. The trick will be holding on to the speculative interest. Metal spent, as most investors who have been in this market long enough know, the last four to five years mired in backwater of underperformance. That began to change at the beginning of this year, and gold and silver made it back into the headlines and back atop the charts of best-performing assets. And now gold, too, up 25% year-to-date, so both metals moving very well. The success has drawn basically a flood of capital back into the markets and into uh, the metals themselves. And of course, we're watching how these markets develop. They'll have to hold on to this uh, notion that they're going to go higher. There'll have to be uh, this notion that they're going to go higher will have to be bleeding in and continually bleeding into all of the other different aspects of the marketplace itself. When the little guy starts walking in off the street and saying, hey, how much for a coin? How much for a bar? That's when you start to see magic happen, and I suspect that coming out of August, we'll have already seen our best buying opportunities of the year, and that as this market progresses, if we are to see another climactic moment, a peak in the market, if you will, similar to 2011, 2008, 2006, and in 2004, we are going to have to get on our horses as investors and really start to gallop because if we don't, we're going to miss the jump and that's the exact thing that we're trying to avoid. So welcome again to all of those new investors. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. So there are a specific handful of catalysts that are worth keeping an eye on at this point in time. The first is obvious in a way, but bears noting. It's the price action in the market. Higher prices tend to create what we call a virtuous cycle leading to further rises in the price. 
Um, for starters, positive performance and good-looking technicals draw speculators like honey. So many traders, are trading algorithms, um, and large uh, entities are scouring the charts in different markets and looking for momentum they can capitalize on. This happens in the metals markets as well, and this does play a role in gathering specific momentum towards higher prices. Any break above an important resistance level, such as, let's say, around 2050 for silver, and that has the potential to entice a whole new wave of buyers. So very exciting and something we've maintained all along that, unfortunate as it is, a lot of investors will ultimately buy from Guild Hall at 25 30 35 and even $40 an ounce. Uh, on the way up because they're just finding out about it or it's just coming to the mainstream. Now, higher prices also put pressure on what we call short sellers. And it's important to remember, in the futures market, some people will be interested in taking contracts which are expecting the price to go higher, which we call longs. Some are interested in selling, uh, believing that the market is going to go lower. We call them shorts. If the market does rise as it has, it puts pressure on those that thought the market was going to go lower. The only real option that they have is to buy additional contracts in the paper markets to cover themselves so that their losses aren't as great. And in fact, if they guess well enough and they speculate well enough, perhaps they make a profit at the end of the day. Now, higher prices, as I said, put pressure on these short sellers, short sellers, and it's important to remember there are two parties to every contract, one betting on the higher prices and the other betting prices will fall. The year so far hasn't been much fun for the latter group, but because, of course, silver and gold are much, much higher. But with record open interest in futures, we know they haven't given up. So both sides of the market are equal there. And as Chris Powell will tell you, this is the exact spot we want our buyers to stay well away from. We don't want anyone near the paper market. It's not real. We don't believe in it. And there is nowhere near enough metal to cover what is being traded by ounce on a daily basis. So when you're dealing with Guildhall, we want you to know first and foremost, especially if you're a new listener, we deal in the physical. You come to us, you buy an ounce, you take home an ounce, you store an ounce, or you put an ounce into your registered accounts. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com is the website. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, there was actually a great article on what you were talking about, Darren, on GATA's website, talking about the war in the gold and silver market, and that what's happen, what happens is, is as the market starts to rise, central banks or a big player out there will short the market into a climbing market. And up until 2011, there were three periods specifically where where the banks stopped shorting the market and the market went parabolic. And what that is saying is that there is a war between paper and physical and people who, or investors who are trying to go long in the market. What happens is, is if, a, if those longs are determined to stay in the market, whether it's the, the, the CME is raising um, the, the level at which they have to hold those contracts or anything where they might be swayed to get out of that contract, whether it's the short positions, et cetera. But if they're determined to stay in that market long enough, they actually break the the short side of the market and the market can go bar- parabolic. So these moments in time can be very interesting because it could signal that the market might be pulling back a little bit, or it could signal that the market could really, really take off. So it's important for investors to realize that there's still so much room in this market for the price to rise. And if you do not have a position in this market, you're not 
you're you're not positioned to take advantage of that rise when it happens. And of course, you know, look, the markets can always pull back. Nothing's going to go up in a straight line. But what we've seen is, and if you look at uh, the major analysts in this market, is that it is taking an exorbitant amount of shorts in this market to push the market down at all. So the 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 sentiment out there is that any pullbacks are very short and and shallow. And that we're seeing that from investors too. On any small pullback in the market, we're seeing people jumping in because they do not feel that this market's going to go back down to $14. So for investors who are looking, or number one, I should say, for anyone who wants to read that article, it's going to be in the the Precious Metal Advisor this week. And uh, we can send it out upon request and we'll put it out on our Twitter feed. But for anyone who wants to own physical precious metals, whether it's in an RSP or a TFSA, a Lira, a LIF, um, a locked-in RSP, Guildhall can assist with that where the client is holding their own personal physical precious metals. It's in a vault facility. It's independent vault facility. They do have access by appointment. You know, there's a lot of security. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can actually go to the depository and personally audit their product. Now, we use that same depository for those who want to invest outside the registered account. And of course, if you if you feel that you want to just have it in your hand, it's a first time investment type of thing, then Guildhall can accommodate that as well. So it, for us, it's all about confidence. It's all about transparency. We want to instill that confidence in the clients, and nothing does that better than physical precious metals. One eight seven seven eight silver is that number. Guildhallwealth.com is the website to check out more. What else? Uh, what else are we watching, Darren? Well, on top of uh, watching the prices and the circles uh, that form because of higher prices and people buying and buying and buying, we're also watching the banking banking sector. And like my friend Johnny Cash said, I, he fell into a burning ring of fire. He went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And that's exactly where we're heading with the banks. In the European sector especially, the uh, European banks are something that will definitely play a role by year's end, I think. The IMF recently declared Germany's Deutsche Bank the single greatest risk to the global financial system. And the bank's share price reflects these very deep concerns over its solvency. Uh, Deutsche Bank is loaded with non-performing loans, massive exposure to derivatives, and huge litigation expenses related to fraud and cheating. So investors have been very aggressively selling for about two, two and a half years, and the shares are now trading nearly 50% below the lows put in during the depths of the last financial crisis. So this bank is in big trouble, and this was one of the largest ones. The other bank we're watching, Credit Suisse. Uh, it's, it's not a lot better shaped than the Deutsche Bank based on the way its share price is performing. And then there are, on top of that, many Italian banks. William Watts was saying from Market Watch this past week, it wouldn't be summer without Europe threatening to upend global financial markets, and I tend to believe them. Right now, Italian officials proposed a bailout, but they're running afoul of European Union rules that basically restrict propping up banks with printed cash or taxpayer money. So the clock's still out on that one. It's ticking away, and one should never underestimate the commitment of central bankers when it comes to bailing out their uh, brethren in the private sector, but it is getting harder to sell repeated rounds of banker welfare in Europe. If Greece basically has taught uh, Europeans anything, it's that over-leveraged banks and over-leveraged governments are financial black holes. So we're watching that as well. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, we'll step on this uh, subject a little more so in the fourth segment, but the stock market. It's in nosebleed territory, and this is the reason we're going to ask Chris Powell at some point during this interview coming up in the next segment 
about how he feels this time will play out versus last time if we are to have another global economic meltdown. Will people be smarter? Will they turn to smart assets like gold and silver and to protect themselves having insurance using these types of assets? Well, let's delve into that a little further in the next segment, and we'll bring Chris Powell in from GATA to do just that. Chris Powell is up next from GATA, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. You want to hear this interview. It's coming up in just a few moments. In the meantime, the number to get a hold of these guys is one 877 silver to start investing. And online, as always, guildhallwealth.com. Real Money Show continues. Talk radio, AM 640. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Real Money Show continues. We'll bounce right to our interview now. Welcoming to the show, Chris Powell, Secretary, Treasurer, Director of GATA. That's the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Mr. Powell is also the uh, Managing Editor of the journal Inquire, daily newspaper in Manchester, where he's worked since graduating from high school back in 67. He writes a political uh, published, or at least a political column, rather, published in newspapers throughout Connecticut and the Providence Journal in Rhode Island. He's a member of the Board of Directors of the Connecticut Council on Freedom of Information and was its legislative chairman for many years. He's also a member of the Connecticut, Manchester, and Vernon Historical Societies and the historical preservation group called Connecticut Landmarks. He was a Republican nominee for the state senator in Connecticut's 4th Senate District in 1992. That is a resume, Darren. Well, welcome, Chris, to The Real Money Show. And, uh, Chris, I know that we have been talking at length about a manipulation for many years here in The Real Money Show and never really delved into the topic. So for our listeners, we're excited to have you here. GATA represents among the foremost uh, in the world in terms of knowledge about the gold market. We're excited to uh, get your feedback, and I think I'm going to ask my first question. I read an amazingly interesting quote recently from you, Chris, in which you stated the following, if I had to bet, I would bet my life that virtually every major central bank in the world right now is a participant in the gold price suppression scheme preparing for some sort of international currency reset whose timetable has not been made known to us. If you're controlling the gold price, you're controlling the price of all currencies. And if you can control the price of all currencies, you run the world. With that in mind, which is a gigantic quote, a lot to swallow, can you introduce our listeners to the concept of manipulation in the gold markets and comment on just how much the public at large really knows about this gold manipulation? Well, Darren, the, the public probably knows very little because the subject is uh, essentially a prohibited subject uh, in the Western financial uh, news media. Uh, it's uh, very bad for business all, all the way around. but. Uh, the uh, manipulation of the gold market is is nothing new, and it's not even conspiracy theory. It is just uh, age-old government policy. Uh, governments uh, began manipulating the gold market uh, with the, the gold standard, uh, which is really a couple centuries uh, ago. Uh, they continued manipulating the gold market uh, with something that was called the London Gold Pool in the 1960s, which was a scheme of... Uh, coordinated disordering of gold reserves by Western central banks uh, through the gold market in London. This was all done in the open. The objective was to hold the gold price to 35 U.S. dollars uh, per ounce. It used to be done in the open. Now it's done surreptitiously because central banks are losing too much of their gold reserves and manipulating the the gold market uh, openly and in the honest way. 
they do it now through derivatives and uh, short sales and uh, high frequency trading, things like that, that uh, we can go into if you'd, you'd like. But this is longstanding uh, government policy. It is undertaken uh, because gold is the determinant of the value of government currencies. It's a determinant of interest rates and the price of, of government bonds. Um, and since it is a determinant of those those things, the governments feel obliged to protect. Governments have to, to rig the, uh, the gold market to to give off false signals to uh, the the other markets to support their own currencies and to support their uh, the government bond prices and control interest rates. The problem is that uh, in the long run, this market rigging ends up destroying free markets everywhere, not just the gold market, but it destroys uh, free markets and, and currencies and bonds and, and equities. And if you believe, as many of us have got to do, that uh, free markets are uh, the great uh, instrument of uh, human progress, then uh, this market rigging is uh, impairing human progress. So if anyone is concerned with their investments overall or their purchasing power, should be listening to what Gad is talking about and starting to look at the type of information you've compiled for over a decade now. So- yes, I, I hope that uh, there are some people in the world still who believe in uh, in free markets and uh, limited and transparent uh, government who who want government to be uh, accountable um, <clears throat> who want uh, their uh, democracy to be meaningful and I, I think if you uh, you do want those things uh, you really ought to pay attention to the uh, uh, the gold market rigging issue because it is the uh, really prerequisite for uh, all uh, government totalitarianism now, in terms of following these interventions from governments, could you talk to us a little bit about the state of that intervention right now? We we hear of things like the war in the in the gold and silver market, and you know anyone who's following data can see that there's always new information coming out. You're compiling a, just a, a supreme amount of data on this. W- what is the current state of this manipulation in the the physical gold and silver market? Well, it's, it seems that uh, the uh, manipulation is under a certain amount of stress right now, that uh, there's always a certain amount of, of real metal that uh, the uh, manipulators need to provide to the market to, to help suppress the price. Usually they are doing it with, with derivatives, uh, futures and, and, and options that are not backed by any, any real metal, and since many investors... Uh, do not take delivery of, of metal they think they're purchasing. They just take uh, uh, paper claims on, on the metal. The manipulation scheme can work pretty well, but uh, it does require a certain amount of metal to go into the system every week. And the indications are that supplies are, are getting tighter and that the uh, uh, ratio between what's called paper gold and, and real metal is getting wider and, and, and wider. Um, the primary mechanism now for the manipulation and has been for a few years has been uh, gold swaps and leases by central banks. They will give investment banks uh, paper claims to metal or certificates saying that uh, the uh, the banks have control of, of metal that is really in central bank vaults. And as long as these certificates are uh, conceived by the market as being equivalent to real gold. The manipulation will continue uh, really unabated. But if uh, the market ever realizes 
that there are scores uh, of claims, uh, paper claims, against every real uh, ounce of gold in the world, uh, then, you know, then there's a problem if people start taking delivery of their metal, as many central banks, or some central banks anyway, around the world are. Russia and China, for example, are, are buying, uh, buying gold for their central banks uh, almost every month. Uh, as, as more and more people realize that if, you don't, if you're not able to hold your gold, you don't really own it, um, then supplies get, get tighter, and eventually there will be a, a risk of, uh, of default uh, of the, uh, the paper contracts. So you, you along that that note you've been talking about central banks wanting to control the market that they're doing this surreptitiously so they don't want people to know because they want people to have confidence in the things that they're doing so that we track what the Fed is doing for instance and we just take that as gospel with recent events like Brexit and whatnot are we starting to see a collapse in that confidence in what they're doing? In other words, they might do it secretly, but people are starting to lose confidence in them anyway and starting to move towards gold because gold is a way to gain confidence. That's, what I think, why people move into gold because they are looking for something that they know is strong, It's it's that they can't you can't lie about what's out there. Yeah, well, they do lie about uh, gold, uh, but you're, you're right that... Uh, gold's one great advantage is that it is uh, real. It is believed to be scarce. It has a long history as money. Uh, it is uh, liquid. It's uh, as liquid as as currencies, really. Um, and that's you know when people are are doubtful of of what's happening, uh, gold is a is a good thing to to have. But um, the uh, decline in confidence in central banks and governments right now. Uh, doesn't really have a lot to do with uh, with gold. I don't think uh, gold is is prompting that loss of confidence. That loss of confidence is is resulting from from other things. Uh, you know, the uh, decline in prosperity around the world, the uh, explosion in, in debt, the inability of governments and individuals to to service that debt, the uh, devaluation of of currencies, uh, then the uh, you know political conflicts such as the United Kingdom's uh, declaration of independence from from Europe. Those things are are I think the primary determinants of the uh, decline in confidence in central banks right now. Yeah, I, I I do agree with you there. I think that there's a that around the globe people are losing confidence in central banks' uh, ability to control the markets or to take care of things, and so they are looking for alternatives, which is why we see articles of people moving into the gold market. And we'll take a short break. More Chris Powell coming up. He's from GATA right here on The Real Money Show. In the meantime, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and online to guildhallwealth.com. And we continue here in The Real Money Show. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver The website's guildhallwealth.com. And more with Chris Powell, the Secretary, Treasurer, and Director of GATA, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Uh, Darren did have a question for you over here. I'm interested in knowing, this time around, as gold and, and of course, its uh, less valued smaller brother, silver, migrate higher in price, Having witnessed firsthand the destruction of wealth through 2008 uh, to this point, do you feel or get a sense that the public at large will take better and more appropriate steps to protect themselves against losing value in, say, their 
everyday stock portfolios or their average portfolios by using assets like gold? Well, we can we can see it happening. We we know that uh, gold demand uh, is up by any number of, of measures, uh, not just through coin and bullion dealers, but uh, uh, through uh, uh, imports into other countries of, of gold. Most recently, uh, there's been a uh, flow back of gold uh, from uh, Switzerland and Asia into the West, uh, which seems to uh, coincide with uh, the increased purchases by retail investors of shares in gold exchange traded funds. So, uh, you know, by those measures, uh, yes, uh, there's, you know, increasing uh, concern among ordinary investors that uh, stock markets are overvalued, that bonds are, are overvalued, uh, and that currencies uh, may have to be uh, devalued uh, in order to uh, inflate uh, debts away. On the other hand, um, I would point out that uh, asset prices are so high right now because essentially governments and central banks are are buying assets uh, or underwriting the, the purchase of assets by uh, investment banks. And I suppose as a matter of law, in uh, history, that's, there's, there's nothing to prevent uh, uh, governments and central banks from buying up everything for as long as it takes, uh, uh, you know, and, and sustaining asset prices that way. We'll certainly uh, lose our, our private market uh, economy eventually if that continues. But uh, I'm, I'm not so worried about a, a stock market uh, crash as people realize that real, econ- real economic conditions are, are not favorable and don't support valuations as they are right now because uh, uh, governments can, you know, just buy up all the assets and sustain uh, sustain asset prices that way. Um, Maybe another few years before people realize that the price of that will be the the destruction of uh, market economies. I I agree with that 100%. I think that Given what we saw quantitative easing, there's no reason for them to not continue that. It might have a different name. Uh, they might not even talk about it, but it could still happen. And and I, I can think of a quote once from Alan Greenspan, and um, I'm not sure exactly what he said, but it was uh, essentially saying, we can always just print more money. We can't guarantee the purchasing power of the currency, but we can always just pay off our debts. It's not a big problem right, in that right. sense. Any government that can issue of the currency in which its debt is denominated can never go bankrupt. Uh, the uh, only weakness of government in those circumstances is the devaluation of the uh, the currency. Uh, this really, I think, has been recognized by key central bankers for, for, for decades. Uh, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, a guy named Beardsley Rommel, uh, wrote an article about this uh, back in the... Uh, late 1940s, uh, he said that uh, uh, the primary limit on uh, what uh, governments could do in the absence of a gold standard was uh, simply the uh, devaluation of the currency. Um, devaluation, inflation, those things, uh, you know, will, uh, will restrain governments eventually. Um, that's why, really, why governments... Uh, want to get control of the gold price because a rising gold price uh, uh, betrays the devaluation of a currency. 
And when governments are at, through central banks or uh, or banks themselves are are intervening in a sector of the market, there's going to be distortions. I mean, when you see a bubble, when you see them printing a lot of money, you get these distortions, whether it's price per earnings, these sorts of things in the market. Again, I use the word distortions that start to occur. And you can see that in many respects in the price of precious metals, in the sense that we're hearing a lot of experts in this market talking about what the true price of precious metals will be or could be in the coming years ahead. Can you comment on that and what you think the 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 natural gold price should be or where, where the natural price of silver should be if these distortions were taken away? Well, uh, you know, since gold and silver are money uh, or potentially uh, would be treated, could be treated as money more than they, they are now, uh, there's no telling what the, you know, the natural price of uh, money is. I mean, there's a historic ratio uh, between the uh, the gold price and the, the silver price of, you know, something like 15 to 1, uh, which seems to be uh, the ratio of uh, silver to gold and the, the Earth's crust. But uh, I don't think there's any natural ratio uh, between uh, the monetary metals prices uh, and, uh, you know, life on planet Earth. In some circumstances, people uh, may want uh, more monetary metals. In other circumstances, they may want uh, less monetary metals. It's really a, a matter of, uh, of human conditions, and uh, those things are are very changeable. Um, I would say that uh, the prices of gold and silver would be far higher than they are right now if people realized that uh, paper gold and paper silver were not really backed by real metal. Um, There have been expert uh, estimates that uh, there are possibly, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100 uh, ounces of uh, uh, paper claims on on gold for every real ounce of gold there is in in, in the world. Well, uh, if people ever decided they wanted to hold real metal rather than unbacked paper claims, uh, what would the uh, what would the gold price be? I mean, it it could be ten times what it is now. I <laughs> excuse me. I I don't know what people are going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, since we don't know what people are going to do, we don't know what governments are going to do. Uh, since uh, the gold and, and silver prices are, are really a, a product of, of human conditions and, and politics and government policy, and since all those things are, are changeable, I, I don't think there is any any natural gold price. Though, you know, some people uh, feel you could go back to uh, a... Uh, a fractional gold uh, reserve uh, system where, you know, for example, if the dollar was was uh, backed by gold on a 40% basis as it used to be, well, then you could calculate uh, uh, a price on that basis. But again, that would be a political decision. Somebody would have to decide that the, the, the currency was going to have a 40% gold backing. And, you know, that is not a a, a natural uh, criteria. That's a, that's a political criteria. So, you know, you have these these traditional measures we've had through time, the, uh, the uh, ratio between the metals and the Earth's crust and the uh, percentage gold backing that governments have chosen under gold standard. But, you know, those are, those are all 
variables that really don't have much bearing on on people living ordinary lives. Uh, uh, the gold price and the solar price ought to be what the markets want them to be. That's really what uh, God's position is. We want free and transparent markets. We want governments to be accountable for what they do. We want governments uh, to be clear about what they're they're doing. We don't want them deceiving their people. We don't want them deceiving investors. And if there are ever free and transparent markets and, and open, accountable governments again, uh, then uh, then we'll have a natural market gold price. Until then, uh, it's really just idle speculation. Well, there's certainly a lot of different ways you were mentioning, and a few of them that you could uh, calculate where you could, where the potential price of the metals could be. Um, one of them that you were mentioning, backing up the the currency, for instance. I know Jim Rickards did a small calculation on that, and even if they did it a fraction of that forty uh, percent backing, that you'd be looking at ten thousand dollars silver, and and all of these sorts of different things. So it is open to uh, conjecture of just picking which which metric you want to use to say, well, here's the potential of the market. But in terms of the the potential overall, I think you, you're pointing out something important when we're talking about physical versus paper, because the more investors are moving into the paper market, the less opportunity it is that silver or gold are going to find their natural price. So yeah, if, 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 you're, if, if you want some security and you think that there should be security in, in the monetary metals. Um, if you buy paper gold or paper silver, you might as well just be flushing your money down the toilet. You're only turning your money over to institutions that, that want to cheat you. Um, I think it's a very good maxim that if you can't hold it, you don't own it. And that would include, I have to ask, that would include having a, a good solid place where you're storing it, where you have access to it. It's not necessarily about literally putting it in your basement. Is that, is that correct? No, it, it, as long as you're confident that you can, you can get access to it if, if, if you need it. Now, uh, there are certain uh, forms of investment where you cannot, as an ordinary investor, you know, turn your, your paper into metal. Uh, there are other uh, forms of gold investment where you don't actually hold the metal yourself, but uh, uh, the uh, <clears throat> the custodian you know promises to give it to you and is 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 holding the gold on what's called an allocated basis. So there's no uh, multiple claims to it. Uh, uh, certain forms like that, I think, are are reliable. Um, though I I suppose people probably would be best off, uh, you know, if they had a certain diversity in the uh, uh, vaults in which they held their gold or the custodians who hold their, held their gold uh, for them. But I, I'm not an investment advisor. Uh, God is not an investment advisor. We're a, uh, really a civil rights and educational foundation. But um, I certainly would hope that people would not invest in the standard gold exchange traded funds like GLD and SLV because uh, those mechanisms can be shorted by the bullion banks that operate them and we are pretty confident that they're being used to pound the price down at strategic moments. Um, I really hope that people would, if they're investing in, in any kind of uh, custodial holding of their gold would investigate them 
you know, very carefully uh, to make sure first that it, uh, their shares can be convertible to gold, and, and second, that uh, uh, those shares are uh, not being uh, hypothecated and you know into multiple ownership forms. Yeah, that I I agree wholeheartedly, and I also find that as as a company that we deal in in allocated product to the client itself, that from our research, it's it's interesting how that vocabulary gets used, whether it's segregated or allocated, because I think you hit on a point that the product could be allocated to the custodian versus the product being allocated to the investor themselves. So I think it is important, as you just mentioned, that people really dig in and do their research so that they are confident that that product can either be converted to to the physical or it is physical or it is allocated to them. So There's, there's, there's no point in investing in the monetary metals uh, unless you want to be very careful and realize that uh, you're up against governments who do not want you to succeed and that those governments have immense influence with uh, you know, financial companies that uh, are cooperating really with the governments and not with their own investors. Chris Powell, it is great to have you on the show. Um, we follow your work very closely. We hope that others listening right now will will check out the website, gata.org, and also start to follow along with some of the articles that you're putting out and the information. And, and once again, we want to thank you for being on The Real Money Show, and we hope to have you back real soon. I'll be glad to. Thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, we appreciate that, Chris. Again, Secretary, Treasurer, and Director of GATA, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. We'll take a short break here on The Real Money Show. We'll continue on with natural fancy color diamonds. In the meantime, the number one eight seven seven eight silver at the website, guildhallwealth.com. one eight seven seven eight silver or for the purpose of this segment, go to guildhalldiamonds.com. Guys, we've been talking. I've been with you guys for several years, and we always talk about natural fancy color diamonds. I love the prospect. I love the idea of it. It's kind of like uh, the investment that you just buy it and you let it be. Right, Darren? Well, that's just it. You want to definitely look towards that uh, day when you can march out of this marketplace somewhere long term and have a comfortable portfolio that's well diversified that has the type of assets we're talking about here today. And right now, let's talk about natural fancy colored diamonds. If you think about where you are in your life right now, one of the exciting things about natural fancy colored diamonds is their ability to shine above all other asset classes despite whatever economic climate there is at the current day. We've just gone through in the last decade a major market meltdown. We've gone through a boom before that leading up to 2008. And in both environments, many, many markets, in fact, probably 99% of all markets were impacted negatively or positively. Even gold and silver had their day where they slid in price. People had to liquidate. That got exacerbated by needing to sell off and protect themselves in other areas. All of the market assets went down. The one asset category that I've been involved with since 2004 when I started at Guildhall Wealth Management is natural fancy colored diamonds and they have not dropped in price. Mm. Suffice it to say, fancy yellows are the one diamond that we've seen fluctuate by just about an eighth of a percent in one or two quarters between 2008 and 2009. Otherwise, 
every single type of color diamond that we've sold at natural at the Guildhall Diamonds has in fact gone up in value and not only that has been consistent in that gain of value and has presented excellent opportunity along the way for people to uh, add to their portfolio a very diversified hard asset. It is like gold and silver. It does thrive on some of the same fundamentals, but you get so much more in a colored diamond, let alone the fact that you can wear a piece. And this is something that excites us. It drives the passion we have for this incredible investment. And it's never bad to look back and say, I made money. It's the best feeling in the world. So when we talk about natural fancy colored diamonds, we're looking at Guildhall Wealth as a company, Guildhall Diamonds as a company, and we're saying, what do these assets bring to the table? Well, number one, rarity. Like buying any other type of hard asset or collectible, you have something that is limited in supply. I can't emphasize enough how important rarity is in the key concept of value in a colored diamond. These are not diamonds that you can go to and find in your local jeweler's store. In fact, you'd have to search perhaps as far as a thousand miles plus from your nearest jeweler to find the type of diamond that is found that we've gone around the world to uh, accrue over years and that we present to our investors every day. This is a niche and this is the type of thing that we bring to our investors and rarity is the first key concept. One eight seven seven eight silver online to Guildhall Diamonds. Jeremy, what do you think? Well, I agree. I mean, talking about rarity right now, I'm uh, thinking of one diamond in particular, which is a new acquisition for Guildhall. It's a 1.02 vivid yellow. It's a square emerald cut and it's a VS2. Now, oftentimes, if, you're, if you've been listening to the show, you always hear us saying internally flawless yellows, internally flawless yellows. Well, when, it's, when we're in the vivid area, so we're, we have fancy yellows, we move up a saturation level to intense, and then we move up to the strongest saturation, which is vivid, vivids are so incredibly rare that it's okay to break the rule a little bit on the internally flawless part. And so... The difference between a VS2 and, a, and an internally flawless and vivid is something like 5%. So we're not really breaking any rules, but it might appear as such right from the get-go. But why do I in particular love this vivid yellow square emerald? We're so often seeing cushion cuts, square uh, radiant cuts um, that is very difficult to find a certain shape like an emerald cut, which on its own is gorgeous. I mean, we've got one brilliant cut yellow diamond, which is also very, very hard to find. So what we're combining here is not just the vivid yellow side of it, but also a very rare cut. And it's a beautiful cut at the same time. It really just shows off the color. And uh, even for an emerald cut, you do get a lot of uh, brilliance as well. So if you have a moment, go to the website guildhalldiamonds.com and take a look at this diamond. And right now it's a it's listed at 52,000 Canadian, which a diamond like this, I suspect from, from our experience of what we've seen in diamonds like this, I would suspect that this diamond would receive valuations comfortably over 15% every single year. And number one, I haven't seen an emerald cut vivid yellow for years. Number two, I don't think we're going to find another one for, for years to come. And so I think it, this, this definitely, uh, 
should be something that anyone looking to start a collection should look at. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhalldiamonds.com. Darren, you know, I uh, you know, say you're one of these investors who all their other investments are kind of running on empty, so they figure I'm going to switch over, try something new. Where where do, where's the entry point? Where do I start off my first diamond? Well, in the first diamond, if you're willing to hold on to something for 10 years, let's say, or more, and you want to get into something entry level, you can start with a fancy yellow. Those start in the fourteen, right. dollars $15,000 range. And quite comfortably with, let's say, around twenty, twenty-five thousand to thirty thousand, you could put together a portfolio that would include silver, it would include gold, and it would include a colored diamond. Nice. And that's a starting point for investors that are looking for something long term to hold on to and have uh, for let's just say a milestone exit. We call them perhaps retirement, or perhaps you want to use it for education long term for your children, uh, or perhaps maybe you're looking for the ability to help out down the road after education ends and you want to help out with that first house for your child or that first brand new car or whatever the case might be, the wedding. Uh, These are assets which help to do those types of things. And of course, when you're looking at a company like Guildhall, the next question you're probably going to have is who is Guildhall? How do they rate in terms of who does this around the world? And I would encourage you to look on our website and find out the people that we're affiliated with. In the natural color diamond sector, in particular, we're proud of our relationship with the Fancy Color Research Foundation, which is the world's foremost authority on color diamond pricing. With our diamonds, for the most part, especially in our yellow category, we're able to give an FCRF report with every diamond that tells you where on the scale of rarity that diamond rates. It gives you a better sense overall of where that diamond is being, um, where that diamond falls on the rarity scale. And not only that, but also will give you a sense of exactly how many of these types of diamonds might exist in the world or are being mined on a yearly basis. This is something that's fairly new for our uh, category here in colored diamonds, but is quite essential and does uh, get accompanied by the GIA report, which is the DNA of the diamond, all the measurements, the weight, the cut, the clarity, all the C's that are in there. And then, of course, it also comes with an appraisal, which is something you would use down the, the road for insurance purposes to protect your diamond. These are three uh, types of documents that are a part of every diamond purchase you would make. So that does extend a little bit of help towards understanding what type of level Guildhall goes to in terms of making sure that we have expertise backing every single diamond purchase. Like I was saying earlier, when it comes to gold and silver, we consider the way we do things in the gold and silver market to be world class. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com or guildhalldiamonds.com to check out the collection. How about that uh, interview earlier on with uh, with Chris Powell? It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. What we learned from that interview is a couple of things. The first big takeaway for us was the fact that Chris was touting the importance of understanding that if you're going to hold and own and invest in precious metals, it has to be physical. You're at the whim of the marketplace in terms of the bank manipulation, in terms of the institutional manipulation, in terms of the paper manipulation, if you want to buy anything that's paper related. Now, that being said, I've always been a huge proponent of investing in the stock market when the time is right. Now, that is something that you must do in tandem with the right advice, the right expertise, the people you trust, not through Guildhall because we don't deal in the stock market. But as Chris was talking, the other takeaway for me was that things are heating up in this sector and that a lot more people are becoming well aware of what is happening, transpiring. 
when the prices are fairly low, relatively speaking, to what the previous highs were in these markets of gold and silver, this is the point in time when people want to take a walk on the wild side and kind of make an effort to diversify their portfolios. I mean, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't like a bullet with butterfly wings. Those things just don't work. This is an absolute market which is going to skyrocket under these fundamentals. And when we go forward from this day on, we'll be talking about those prices. But more importantly, as Chris mentioned in his interview, these are exciting times that have never been experienced before. So I get very passionate when we're talking about precious metals. And in fact, in the shows coming up over the next couple of weeks, we have some excellent guests. I encourage you to stay tuned. But remember, first and foremost, we're about physical, physical, physical. If you'd like to buy some gold or silver from Guildhall Wealth Management, I suggest you have a couple of options. Number one, buy it from us and take it home with you. Store it safely. Number two, we can store it for you in our depository. It's your product. It'll be earmarked as yours, segregated, allocated to you with serial numbers. Or number three, if you love the idea of investing in silver and you have room in your RSP, TFSA, your LIF, RIFs, RESP for the kids, if you want to inspire some educational investing uh, in your family, this is the time to do it. We can handle registered accounts through Guild Hall and our partners. And of course, if you want to add a natural fancy colored diamond to the fold, this is a perfect moment in time. Milestones are coming at us all over the place. We'll talk more about uh, learning how important milestones are in their relation to colored diamond ownership. And not only that, if you were to buy a colored diamond, we barely touched on it today. If you're a man listening, a woman listening, these are items you can wear. And when you combine all this together, you get one of what I feel is the most diversified portfolios you could ever have. Now is the time to invest in precious metals. Now is the time to own them. Yeah, and Darren, you know, in the break, you were mentioning that at the end of the day, and we're talking about with Chris Powell, that this revolution will not be televised, that they, that you're not going to find out about gold and silver. And in fact, in the 10 years that I've been with Guildhall, I can tell you that anytime the market moves up, you're going to get newspapers and and major media saying that it's in a bubble that it's going to that it's going to collapse i mean we can look back even in the last year goldman sachs was looking for lower prices and all of these other banks looking for lower prices and everyone wants to push you out of precious metals but at the end of the day silver's up over 40% this year so anyone who's been looking at the market whether it was last year or the year before you know, look, the market's done what, what it, it's supposed to do. It's moved up. It's just come out of its major lows. The consolidation portion is over. We're not the only, we're not the only uh, radio show discussing this. There's lots of analysts and experts in the market that are saying, look, you get a breakout above a certain level that we've seen in, in silver and gold, and the consolidation time is over. The fact is, is that even today, Bloomberg actually did, and I'm not, I'm not saying that they won't show it, but they were mentioning today that TD is starting to move into to gold and silver. Now they're a Canadian bank and they're starting to look to, to hold physical gold. It's all about confidence. If you believe that central banks are going to do a great job supporting the markets and controlling the, the investment world, then you know maybe you don't need to own any gold and silver. But if you lack confidence in central banks' ability to fix the economy, et cetera, then you need to hold something that develops that confidence. Gold and silver have always been that, that, uh, that pillar of strength in the markets because 
you can't print gold and silver. I mean, you can fake the inventory, but you can't print how much gold and silver is out there. That's why if you look at the COMEX reports, if you look at how the physical gold and silver is just moving out of the COMEX over to the east, okay, a little bit is coming back but the fact to, to, to Switzerland, as Chris was mentioning, but the fact is it's going into people's pockets because they want to protect themselves, that they don't trust the physical, the paper markets out there. They want something that they can trust. And what do you get for that? In silver, you've gotten a 40% increase. In gold, you've gotten over a 20% increase. And the markets aren't even anywhere near their all-time highs. So this is, a, this is a point where you want to look to enter the market if you haven't already established a position. Guildhall is there to help you buy physical precious metals. And we look forward to speaking with you if you have any questions about this market. Get out there before the investor hysteria starts. You want to get on that. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Got to thank Chris Powell once again, Secretary, Treasurer, and Director for GATA, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Join us again next week right here uh, for The Real Money Show on Talk Radio AM 640.